What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to another episode of The Kingdom Says. I am your host, as always, Garrett Williams, and today I have got two men on screen with me here. One usual face that we see very often, Kyle Henning on my left, your right. How are we doing, Kyle? Doing well. Uh, seeing your face again here shortly after I just saw it not too long. A little peek behind the curtain. We, uh, we're recording again after we just recorded last night, but uh, yeah. happy to do so because we've got a special guest for you guys. Sure do. On the bottom of the screen, you can see him right there. He is the NFL staff writer for the Sports Illustrated, Mr. Matt Verderam. Matt, how are we doing today, sir? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Very good. Very good, especially now that you are here joining us because uh, we've got a lot to talk about with this Chiefs season underway. A um, lot of very interesting storylines in the news today uh, and all of this week. So, uh, yeah, excited to have you here. Excited to, to kind of get your insight and thoughts on some of the things happening in the Chiefs world thus far. And, uh, yeah, moving forward. Um, obviously, the uh, the biggest kind of topic right now is the the next week. You know, week three, we've got the Bears coming up. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting game. The Chiefs, I think, are already 10.5-point favorites. Um is oh, it's it, only 10 and a half right now? I saw it. Like it, might have, and a half it might have yesterday. moved to 11, yeah, or 12. So it's, let's just say it seems like it might be a little bit of a lopsided game, especially with what's been going on uh, in the Bears world. Uh, Matt, I know you live in Chicago, so you're a little bit tuned into what's going on down there. Um, not a great start to the season so far for them. And uh, apparently there's been a lot of, of, of crazy stuff kind of happening inside that building, Matt. Yeah, I mean, right now we're on SI Sportsbook. The line's 12 and a half. So uh, the Chiefs are the mm. biggest favorites of the week. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Wednesday is not helping the Bears cause. Uh, so uh, their left tackle now has gone on IR. So he might be lost for the year. He is gone for at least the, the next four games. So they lose him. Uh, that line has been a wreck to this point. Uh, I believe they've given up 10 sacks on the year, which is, is right below. I think that the leader in the clubhouse, I think Houston's given up 11. Um, the Bears line's not been good, and now they're without their starting left tackle, and there's been talk about Darnell Wright, their first-round pick out of Tennessee. Would they move him? Would they keep him at right? Uh, that seems to still be up in the air with the coaching staff. Well, it seems to be favoring the idea they're going to keep him where he is. And then Justin Fields came out in a presser and flat-out said that coaching might be part of the problem for him. Um, you know, when asked about, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, why has it been – uh, such a struggle in the, in the, in the offensive scheme, but, and also for the passing game. And he's and somebody asked, well, could it be the coaching? So it could be, could be the coaching, um, essentially putting too much in his head, uh, going out there. Listen, let, let's just call us what it, the bears have been abominable on both sides of the ball at this point. In the yeah. Year. Okay. They do not do anything. Well, fields has run for 62 yards. I believe it is. And he's leading the team. He's tied with Khalil Herbert. They both have rushed out of many yardage. Um, DJ Moore was a non-factor in the first game, better in the second game. The Bears have been uh, nothing short of really, really poor in just about every area. And now you've got a situation where Fields is coming out and essentially blaming the coaching staff for the way he's played. The coaching staff is talking about they don't know that Alan Williams is a defensive coordinator. If he's still the defensive coordinator, they're not sure. He's not with the team right now. Nobody's really aware yeah of whether or not he's, he's there or not. They're not commenting on it. It's very strange. And all of it leads to a situation where you look at a Bears team and go, I, I don't know, like, where are they going with this? I mean, 
you know, right now, DJ Moore, he leads the team with 129 receiving yards. The next highest receiver is 53. I mean, Komet and Herbert are 82 and 60, respectively. But Mooney is 53. Chase Claypool has three catches in two games for 36 yards. He also so it's an offense that is just bereft of star talent. And on defense, there's not much to write home about. They have one sack in two games, and that is uh, Yannick Ngakwe's. So that's it. They are they are really struggling. The Fields thing. It's not good. I, I, if, if you guys saw my, if you're watching this on YouTube, you saw my face when, when Matt had started that conversation. I had just looked up the quote because I had not yet seen Justin Fields' quotes today. Um, that's pretty crazy for your starting quarterback to fire yeah. that out, especially yeah. after the clip that I don't remember if it was Brian Baldinger or Nate Tice, one of the guys that does film work on Twitter that's excellent. I can't remember which one it was. It was but, yeah, it was, it was Brian Baldinger. Baldinger. Yeah. The offensive line gave him like three and a half seconds, yeah. and he missed yeah. two wide open guys running by themselves in zone, and then like. The offensive line hasn't been good, but he's also been holding on. He's holds the ball. I think he's hold the, held the ball the longest all of any quarterback this season, yeah, right? He has he's the, the most whole, pocket yeah, time I mean, per drop. Back yeah, you quarter. look at any of his passes, he just like hesitates on every single throw, basically. Like, it's like it's, he's not seeing the reads when they're there. It's like he's and it's 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 pretty insane because that was one of the things that he seemed to actually do mildly well at Ohio State was read the coverage that was across across from him. Now, obviously. NFL defense's little little upgrade on the uh, scheme side, but what does that mean for him in Chicago? Because that coaching staff isn't the coaching staff that brought him in, and it's also not the GM that brought him in. So, right. Look, I mean, whenever you whenever you see front office and a coach that doesn't have a tie to a quarterback that's struggling, you always wonder about mm-hmm. that. And then he comes they could have drafted public. <laughs> they could have drafted a replacement. They're the number one overall pick. And I got to tell you, they might have it again. Like, and the <laughs> Panthers, they own their pick and the Panthers stink. So, yeah, you know, if, if they finish in one of those two, like, let, let's just say, let's say in a world, okay, they have the two and the five second overall, fifth overall. You're worst case drafting Drake May, right? I yeah. mean, you have to. Uh, and you're and you're trying to trade up for Caleb Williams if you can do it, depending on who the team yeah. number one is. You know, it depends on the the quarterback. Um, <laughs> the, the Bears are they're struggling. I mean, there's well, no there's no other way to put it. And Fields is weird because look, Fields the conversation about him got twisted in the offseason. Like he has a record in his career of five and twenty two. He has thrown twenty six touchdowns to twenty four picks and completed less than sixty percent of his throws. And last year, everybody talked about like, oh, he's great last year. He wasn't really great last year. He threw for 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. He completed 60% of his throws. He was sacked the league high 55 times. Like, yes, when he ran, he was great because he ran for 1,143 yards and eight touchdowns. A lot of running. When he was throwing the football, he was not great. And I'm not saying that's all on him, okay? They, They don't have a great line. The talent's not there in the outside. Fine, but like, it wasn't like you watched their passing game last year and went, oh, they, they look they look great. They just need a couple of guys here. They didn't look great. They were awful. And it, it has continued into this season. It's, it's yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see his development as it continues. Because 
that's crazy. The biggest problem, the biggest thing, like you said, running was like his biggest strength last year, and there wasn't much around that. And now this year, we haven't even seen that from him, you know. And that's part of what his quote was saying about how he's trying to kind of play more of how he's always played, but he needs to kind of take a, a leap eventually into the passing world. And you know, it might not be with this uh, with this coaching staff and this team. Sometimes getting a, a change of scenery really helps young guys and. Like you said, the quarterback class is stacked next year, so it's going to be really hard for the Bears, I think, to look at it and and you know not take a quarterback if they're if they're sitting down low like that. Sure. So, sure. Um, this is, this is not the week you want to be having an internal meltdown if you're the Chicago Bears. Yeah, you're, yeah, especially coming versus the Chiefs, it's not a good week to be. This, is, this is not the room. week to have Hallis Hall basically be on fire as you're getting ready to go into a game where the Chiefs are coming off a win, but the offense basically is treating it like it's coming off a loss. So it, it's not – Right, so they're so pissed off. It's not great. It's not It's not got, that uh, is, is great for discontent. Well, and you have the guy that you guys fired as the offensive coordinator for the team who's right. probably still not super thrilled about how everything went while he was there. And you have your GM who's looking around going, really like that this is what we're dealing with heading into my old team's week. Really enjoying this, guys. Yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy, obviously, having familiarity with that those players and that team, it's going to help big time with uh, kind of the, the slow, sluggish start the offense has had. We've kind of referenced it a little bit, Matt, but what have you kind of seen from the offense so far for the Chiefs this year that's really just been, you know, struggling for? I mean, the, the line play has been decent. The tackles have been a, a big point of discussion. The wide receivers have been up and down. Um you know, last last week versus Jacksonville, we saw like two called run plays in the first half. So that might be something it's it's definitely not the Chiefs offense that we're kind of accustomed to seeing. And, you know, part of it's just, you know, slow start getting their feet under them. But what kind of big thing do you contribute it to? Oh, I think a lot of it is just self-inflicted stuff. I mean, they no. I covered the game week one. I was in the uh, press box up at Arrowhead. And they, by my count, everybody's different with this stuff. But they dropped nine passes. They dropped nine passes. One of which turned into a pick six, and multiple ones that ended drives. One of which that ended the game would have been one of the best throws you've ever seen in your life on fourth and twenty-five, and, they, and he drops the ball. So if they don't drop the ball a bunch in that game, they don't only win. They probably win by a couple of scores um, against a good Detroit team. And then you go to you know, week two, they took twelve penalties and had three turnovers. I mean, now, now the offense had two turnovers, not three, but you know, the team had three. I look at the Chiefs and just say that that's the problem right now because the offensive line is giving Mahomes plenty of time. Oh, yeah. When they've run the ball, they've been okay. That typically has been the way they've been. They get better as the year goes on running the ball. And so I'm not, not surprised by that. Everybody's freaked out about the receivers. Like they did this last year. They had receivers like this last year. The biggest difference is Kelsey wasn't hurt for week one last year. And now he's kind of getting back into a week two. If the Chiefs offense is their problem, they don't have a problem. Like that, that's it's kind of like if you're an NBA fan, the Warriors miss a bunch of threes for like three or four games, and people start writing these stink pieces like, Oh, what's wrong with Steph Curry? What's wrong with the Warriors? And the next game, they score 140 points because they hit 33s. Yeah, I just think that's the Chiefs. If the Chiefs are going to have a stretch here where they have three or four games where they average like 38 points a game, they're just going to. They're, you're talking about like basically like bet the over style with the Warriors every game, and you're going to yeah. win style. Same thing with the Chiefs. Yeah. You, you are going to be what you are. You just like at the end of the year, Mahomes is going to throw in for forty seven hundred yards plus and yeah. thirty five plus touchdowns. And if Kelsey is healthy, he's going to have his thousand yards and his eight touchdowns plus. Like they, this is who they are. My biggest takeaway from the Chiefs the first two weeks is their defense. Like if oh, they yeah. continue to play defense anywhere near this level, good night. Good luck beating them in any meaningful game this year. 
So, yeah, this defense, having especially having Chris Jones back there and there, and even before Chris Jones is in there, the D-line looked really good. And then you add yeah. Chris back in. George Karloftis has been stepping up big time. Mike Dana, Felix, has been one of the best rookie pass rushers in the league. Like, that transformation, especially having Chris Jones back versus this this Bears O-line coming for. I mean, it's that's going to be one of the fun matchups to watch this week is seeing what they do to Justin Fields. Yeah. And they haven't even had a Menahu yet. Like, exactly. Yeah. I, was, I was talking to somebody in the building the other day, and they're like, wait till Charles Menahu gets here. I mean, they they are loaded. There's not anybody that plays on the defense that you look at and go, that guy's a weak link, and teams are going to attack that guy. You know, not to, not to dump on him. There's not a Ben Neiman or a Dan Sorensen a couple of years ago where teams would just go, we're going to mm-hmm. attack that player, right? There's no, Who are you attacking on this defense? Who are you going to go after? Willie Gay? You're gonna teams go, have, you're gonna go have after... chosen Legereus Sneed, which is an interesting yeah. option. I mean, who are you going to go? I, it's just they're so talented that you know you know, look at them across. I mean, Karloftis has a sack and a half. Dana has a sack and a half. FAU has has half sack. Chris Jones has a sack and a half in one game. Um, you, know, you look at them. I mean, as a team already, they have eight tackles for loss. They have a lot of talent on the team, and frankly. If they don't get hurt defensively, they should be a group that is a top 10 defense this year. They have more than enough talent to be that, and you know they're well-coached enough. Uh, I was going to ask you about the top 10 portion of it. Uh, this, The interesting thing for me and that I, and I wanted to talk to you about is the different formations that we're finally starting to see from them that I've been really hoping we've got, we would get to because they finally started to get the pieces that Spags can use to do these defenses with. We saw a lot more 3-3-5. We saw a lot more NASCAR package or amoeba defensive front, whatever you want to call it. Um, partially because I think a lot of these guys are similar in size, stature, kind of the things that they do, especially along the line front. But what has that been and what does that add as a dimension to this defense, especially when you're getting pass rushing snaps, like 50% out of Leo Chanel generating yeah. pressure on four of his eight pass rush snaps? In one also, I think it's, it's something that it just makes you hard to prepare for. You know, when, mm-hmm. when an offense is looking at you on film and they're seeing maybe two or three packages you kind of play out of the whole game, if you're talented, I'm not saying it's easy to deal with that, but it's it's like, okay, this is what we're going to be facing. This is the, the way we're going to combat this. When the, when you're looking at six, seven, eight different looks, that becomes a lot harder. And one thing about Spagnolo that I would argue that along with a Belichick and Rumo, he's right up there with, he is unconventional and he's very, very multiple in the way he plays. They do a lot of different stuff. There are times where they'll line up one way and they'll run one defense and they'll line up the exact same way and they'll attack you totally differently out of that same lineup. And that's a, that's a rare thing. It's a hard thing to do. You have to have smart players. You have to have players who have been in the system. And I think that's a big part of Cody, your question about like, why are they doing it this year more? Because these guys have experience now in the defense. I mean, this is Bolton's third year. This is Gay's fourth year. You know, Jones has obviously been the defense and Spags got there. Uh, Karloff, this is second year. Cook's second year. Reed's second year. Sneed's fourth year. McDuffie's second year. Williams and Watson, their second years. Like, the only new guys who are playing, I mean, Amena who once he comes back, Tranquil, who's a rotational player on this defense, which should tell you how talented it is. Got 146 tackles last year and he's a rotational player for the Chiefs this season. Oh, and- when Nick's ankle injury happened, Nine, like every year prior to this, this he would whole right. fan base would have died instantly. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody even blinked. Right, because you're like, well, they can just put in a guy who had like who was top ten tackles last season. Like, look, it's they, 
But my point is, like, Chanel's in his second year. The only guys who are in their first years really are, are Menahu, who's a veteran, FAU, who, of course, is a rookie, and Tranquil, who's a veteran. The rest of these guys have been in this defense for two, three, four plus years. Like, they're not, they can do that now because they know the basis of the defense. And I, I think it gives them a huge advantage. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely, I'm having fun watching a defense, which is a nice feeling since it's been probably. 10 years since we've had that feeling in Kansas City. Enjoyed watching a defense play football, maybe longer. Um, used yeah. to happen, but it's been a bit. So with all of that and the confusion that they can provide, they get Justin Fields, as we just talked about, and Zach Wilson over the next two weeks. Um, yeah. They just let, and they've, and they've only given up like 11 and a half points a game at the moment between the first two for the defense now. I yeah. know the... Right. The offense gave up an extra touchdown in the first one, but mm. that what is what's what's a reasonable expectation for this defense in this next stretch of games here? I think that it's very reasonable to expect this defense to rack up, you know, three four sacks per game these next two weeks, and I think it's very reasonable to look for them to hold these teams between ten and seventeen points. I mean it. The Jets, I'd argue even less than that. The Jets, Zach Wilson can't play. Dumpster I mean, they fire. just know too like Fields, 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 at least you can say, hey, look, man, the guy's got legs and, and whatever. He can make you, you know, can make you have to respect that. Neither one of these teams can block. Yeah. Both of these teams have one guy in the passing game that you respect. And everybody else, it's like, all right, you know, handle him. I, I think for the Chiefs, I, I will tell you right now, I think these next couple of weeks, Spagnolo is going to be like a kid in a candy store with the idea <laughs> we are going to blitz everybody. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I think the next couple of weeks. Remember, if you guys remember, what season was it? it was 2021. And they were playing the Packers at home. And oh, Jordan no. Love was playing that game. <laughs> yeah, his, his first start. They, oh, I remember. Go watch the – for anybody listening, go watch the film of that game. The Chiefs weren't even trying to disguise. They're like, here's nine guys at the line of scrimmage. Here we come. I mean, it was, they yeah. cover zero Green Bay in that game. I remember thinking during, I'm like, this is the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. I mean, they, they I think were, you tweeted you, that, actually. You can't beat us. You're not going to yeah. beat us. And we're just going to, we're going to jailbreak blitz you into oblivion. And uh, I guarantee you, big. these next couple of weeks, there are going to be times in these games with the Chiefs line, eight guys up on the line of scrimmage, and just say, go ahead. Go ahead. Do whatever you want yeah, to do. Do something. We don't care. Do something. I mean, that's a, that was a big F.U. game coming. from the from the wow. Chiefs back then. That was Especially they started uh, – they put Jordan Love's family on the top row of Arrowhead yes. and then just proceeded to absolutely <laughs> – The Packers did that. The yeah. Packers put his mom uh, uh, in space because the Packers are the ones that pick out who gets what tickets on their ticket allotment, from hmm. what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That, was not a good, that was not a good they day might, for Jordan Love. They might and, blitz Jordan Love's family in this game. I mean, they, yeah. they are going well, that's to. That's the thing. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo just absolutely loves how, going against these young quarterbacks, you know. He's, and he's just going to light them up. With just them. How much every, I mean, security does Trent McDuffie give you doing it? Because, like, in the past when they did oh, blitz, it was oh, fun. Yeah. But it was like, ah, I hope they get home. Now <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like you look around at the cornerback room, and especially I'm, I'm getting – I'm starting to get – mildly irrational with Trent. He has for me a ceiling that's he's a shot I mean top top five shutdown corner. He, yeah, he absolutely has that ceiling. Yeah, he does. I mean he's he could be Jair Alexander. Like that level of a player. And they 
they're just going to sit there and they're going to go, okay, Lajarius and Trent and Joshua and Jalen. Hey, hey, listen, one-on-one, cross the board, do it. and we're going to blitz everybody. And good luck. Like I good mean, luck. they're going to just bring more than you, even if it's not always covers here, even if it's just, hey, look, we're going to bring six guys and we're going to play one single high stakes. Like they, they're not playing too deep against the Bears and the Jets. They're not going to do that. They're going to no. they're going to put a post high safety and just go here it comes. I mean, <laughs> they are going to blitz and and then they're the Chiefs and then they'll drop like Derek Dye into coverage, like just because <laughs> like what the hell like yeah. that they'll just there was a Probably. play against Jacksonville in the playoffs last year. In fact, it was the play where Jalen Watson had the one handed interception uh-huh. late in the game and Reed came on that blitz and he and he caused an immediate throw. They dropped. If you watch that play, Frank Clark is running one-on-one with Christian Kirk down the seat. They just don't care. And their whole thought process is Lawrence isn't going to see that fast enough to throw it. Like, he's not going to be time. They believe in their scheme. I guarantee you this week there will be a play that is full-blown, like just hilarity on the field, where they are dropping to Sean Wharton on Cole Komet, and they just don't care. I mean, because they're going to look at it like we're going to hit him so fast that ball's just got to come out, and yeah. he's too young to recognize that. Right? You know, you do it to Brady, you you run the risk, right? I mean, he might see it and go, okay, right. I know yeah. where you're coming from." Nobody's nobody's expecting Derek Nottie to drop into space, right? So <laughs> no, no. What he does, it screws everybody up. Like the center's like, Wait, "What's happening?" And then by the time you figure it out, so like, oh, it doesn't. He's he's dead. It's a ten yard sack, right? Like, or he threw a pick because yeah. he panicked and he very- threw the ball into double coverage, like. They're great at that, and they will it's do very that. It's very entertaining to watch. Forward. I'll tell you what. It's very – and like we said, you have to have a really good and talented defense to do it, but it's – I mean, Spags knows – especially it's, it's really cool to see him kind of really in his bag now after going through the process of getting his players. He finally has a real solid group of guys from top to bottom that just can absolutely wreak havoc with however he wants to. So see? it's real good to see. This defense is definitely one of the highlights, the highlight probably of, of the year so far, and it's only going to get better. So it's funny, yeah. like Warren Sharp literally just tweeted this out, like a minute, not even a minute ago. So it's perfect timing. But he's like, when not blitz, Justin Fields, when he's not blitzed, 27 to 47, 57.4 completion rate, 4.9 yards per attempt, one touchdown, three picks. Only quarterback that's worse is Zach Wilson. So his argument is they, they should not blitz as much. Maybe Warren's right. I have a feeling knowing this team, <laughs> Steve's just going to go, that's nice. That's fine. Yeah, that's what he's like against a seven man blitz. Like, I, they, and, and look, you, you have the Chiefs, like, you, you have the luxury of knowing, hey, if it doesn't work early, fine, then back off of it. Right. But I mean, I, and that might be the one other way they do go is maybe they, they sit there and go, you know what? Let's see it with four man they, rush. They might just be able to dominate anyway. And they don't have yeah. to blitz. And they just yeah. drop seven and say, screw it. Why even bother with it? But I guarantee you, no matter how they play us, on certain third downs in this game, they are just going to put seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And sometimes they're going to drop three of them. And sometimes they're going to bring them all. And you yeah. got to figure out which is which. That's part of the beauty. Well, there's a bunch of DBs out there. I mean, I think it was Trent McDuffie who was talking today about how he likes yeah. it when, uh, when Steve Snow puts six DBs out there. Because there's a lot of tr- – I mean, you can tell the trust that, that Spags has in all of his guys to – to really use them kind of however he wants all of them. Like, it's not like just one guy is a Swiss Army knife. They're all kind of Swiss Army knives, you know? Well, and that unit's extremely close. Like, th- I remember at the beginning of the year, that group of five that came in together yeah. and that DB room, they're super, super close. Now, I know Nazi got hurt, but hmm. the other four are still there. 
and then you've still got the guys that were already there and came in with them because I think Justin Reed came in at the same time those all those dudes came yeah. in with new contracts. So they've all been together. They're a really close bond. And also, like you said, they're Swiss Army knives. They all can they all blitz really well. They all get home. They all can cover. They all can it's it's so different to see this team do that. But we've talked about the defense a ton. Um, and kind of the matchup, what does the Bears defense present to a Chiefs offense that's, frankly, struggled the first two weeks? Presents a lot of opportunity. Um, look, the, the, the Bears defense has struggled uh, mightily up front. I mean, Ngakwe has their only sack of the year. He has one sack. It's a defense, quite honestly, when you look at them, there's a lot of youth in the secondary. Now, their safeties are very good. Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker are really, really good football players, mm-hmm. and that's where, if you're the Bears, you're going, okay, that, that's where we can hang our hat, right? However, if you look at them this year, yards per play against us, I think is a very good defensive stat. We just talked about the Chiefs defense. They ranked 10th in the league. The Bears ranked 31st in the league. The only team that's worse than the Bears mm-hmm. is the Chargers by a full yard, which is really a, a, quite a feat. That's um, the Chargers story, yeah. Yeah, it sure is. He's a going to win coach, isn't he? Both of those teams have defensive head coaches. You In, in theory, yes. Um, <laughs> okay, so, just checking. The, the Bears are 31st in that regard. In in net yards per attempt in the passing game, obviously, net yard gains per attempt, the Bears per attempt are giving up 8.9 yards. So that's not great. Uh, you have young corners, unproven corners. That's, you know, Kyler Gordon from last year and, and, and Tyreek Stevenson from this year. It has not gone well. Uh, their, their run defense is the one thing they're good at. They, they're fourth in the league, 3.2 yards in attempt. Now, I mean, if you're the Chiefs, you probably don't care because you, we don't you, run probably, the ball. I mean, you don't run the ball. So what do you care, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the Bears, look, if you're looking, are they going to bring pressure? The Bears do not blitz. They're 29th in blitz rate per pro football focus. They don't blitz a lot. Um, but their pressure rate, uh, it's, it's, it's not good. So they're 26th in the league. Yeah, the pressure rate still isn't good. They don't get pressure. They're third in the league and in th- in third most in, in missed tackles. They've missed 21 tackles. I mean, this is a defense. By the way, uh, yards after catch, they've uh-huh. given up the fourth most behind Philly, Jacksonville, and the Jets. The Chiefs, mm-hmm. believe this or not, lead the league in yards after catch. We've got some yak guys. I mean, we do they're have t- some yak guys. So, they're tackling? So, so this, is, this is the Chiefs. Actually, the Chiefs receivers – Lead the league in yards after catch. Okay. The Bears are fourth worst yeah. in the NFL defensively. This That's is not good. a great match. Basically, the Bears are good against the run and can't stop anybody. I mean, think about this too. The Bears are that bad against the pass, and they've played Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield. It's not as though they faced yeah. like Josh Allen and Joe Burrow in his prime here. Like they've right. They faced two offenses that are not huge passing offenses. And they've gotten absolutely shredded to death by both of them. So Ooh. now you're going to play a Chiefs team that, of course, even with their issues early, I think everybody would agree is one of the best teams in the league throwing the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if people are saying, well, maybe the Bears haven't given up a ton of yardage, it's just on a per play. No, there's sixth worst, uh, sixth worst, if I can say that, in the NFL in mm-hmm. passing yardage against in totality. So uh, yeah, they've ranked 27th in the league, uh, giving up 554 passing yards to this point. I mean, it has been yeah, so there's, there's no stat that favors this bear defense. It sounds like not, not in the passing not game. Much. I mean, yeah, they are brutal. Really do. uh, third down, by the way, if you're like, oh, maybe they're good on third down. No, no. they're they're 31st in the league, they are allowing 54.8 percent of third downs to be converted. 
I mean, this is the defense that, quite honestly, is uh, is is terrible. Okay, I mean, this this yeah. is the defense that just they are not winning anywhere in the passing game, whether it's on the back end, the front end. I would expect the Chiefs to just air the ball out in this game. Yeah, this is a good. This should be a good a good defense for the Chiefs to kind of tune it back up. You know, kind of eliminate the errors, just play real good, sound yeah. football. And you don't have a much of a threat, obviously, going going against this Bears if you're just passing the ball, which has kind of been not the forte of them so far. But um, there's a couple injuries on the on the offensive front. Uh, Kadarius Tony has a sprained toe per Andy Reid, which you know who knows who knows exactly what that's going to mean for him, especially this week. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco has a hamstring contusion, uh, so we'll see how that affects his status. And then uh, Richie James has a MCL injury, which Andy Reid might said might actually be more long-term than uh, than not. So we might uh, be losing Richie James, which, I mean, I'm not going to say that's not, maybe not the worst loss in the world, Richie James. Um, hope he's, hope he's going to be good. But We talked about it on the show that we recorded yesterday. Like, he has a very limited role on this team. He struggled in that role. If that's going to continue, that's not good. However, did not expect him to come up with an MCL injury and be out long-term. Now they've got to look at that return position again. But other than that, I think it may actually free up some space in the wide receiver room for them to actually. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I feel like kind of the one of the bigger problems the Chiefs offense has had so far is they've almost had to spread the ball around too much, right? Like there's just too yeah, many mouths to, to feed and kind of get them working. You want to get every guy working, but you can't. I mean, there's just not enough balls to go around with the seven wide receivers that they were carrying. Um, we haven't seen much of Justin Ross. We've seen very limited of Rasheed Rice. So it's going to be interesting to see how those guys kind of step up with Richie James probably out. We'll see how Kadarius Tony is. Um, but Matt, I'm very curious to see kind of who do you expect uh, wide receiver wise to kind of step up. And also, of course, with uh, Travis Kelsey still not at 100 um, percent, we'll kind of see who steps up to the plate this week. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to be Rasheed Rice. And, and you know, look, he, he's played well to this point. Um, Richie James has only had three targets all season. So I don't think offensively it's going to really change what they do any, you know, at all. Um, MVS is a guy like we know how MVS goes, right? I mean, he's going to have some weeks where he has twenty yards, thirty yards. And he's going to have some weeks where he's one hundred and ten. Like that's just the way he is. That's yeah, fine. Have this could be a week I see him actually having a pretty good game because the, the Bears' corners, like I could see him using his length to be a problem in this game. But yeah, I think look, it, you never want a guy to get hurt, of course, but I do think it does mm-hmm. simplify. Yeah their offense a little bit in terms of like figuring out who to throw the ball to. Cause I agree. You have too many guys right now. They're trying to feed. You got to just kind of, it's like the NBA, right? You got to shorten the bench sometimes. All right. You know, we're going to roll with these eight guys. These are our guys. It's trying to play 12 guys all the time. It's a problem. Nobody knows their role. It's kind of clunky. I think the chiefs are going to do that no matter what injuries or not. But yes, I think, you know, MBS is guy I look to uh, rice is guy I look to. I think those guys will step up a little bit here. Yeah, who do we kind of see taking over as punt returner then? I mean, you know, we don't have Amir Smith-Marset anymore. We could trade trade back for him for the Panthers and get him back and have another seventh receiver. But, you know, they might throw Sky Moore back there. We might throw, like, Pacheco or um, – I'm not sure. Really Pacheco. I yeah, think the sure. more They're likely options are Kadarius, Tony, and, and Sky. But I don't know how Tony's right, – what they'll do with Tony based on I'm his not sure exactly thing. who's even listed as the backup punt returner on the depth chart. But – We'll see. Maybe just see Justin Watson out there. He is a guy that they used last year in a pinch that He'd be my you just guy. go out, catch the ball. You know, you ain't got to do anything crazy with it. As long as you catch the ball, don't have the sun in your eyes. <laughs> I right. think we'll have a, we'll be good. Um, so yeah, that will kind of be an interesting adjustment. They to have see. Kadarius listed as the backup. 
Okay, so you know, we'll see. We'll see who ends up uh, going out there for punt returns because I'm a, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say the Bears might be punting it a lot. How's the how's the Bears punter? Is the Bears punter good? Is their special teams good? Is that a factor to, to consider? Well, you know, their punters had a lot of practice. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's something. That's a, I gotta tell you, that's a good question. Of all the things I've been looking at this week, I have not looked at Bears punting numbers. Um, but I, I'm gonna just for you guys. So let's see. Uh, yeah, that's, I'm curious. Also, the special teams. You know, if we get any fakes, fakes the fakes punts or something like so that. We saw as far it as their returners. Week. I mean, they rank 17th per ret- uh, punt return. The Chiefs, by the way, toward the bottom. Uh, and that uh, the Bears on kickoff returns. They're right in the middle. They're right in the middle of the pack. Um, as far as actually punting the ball away, let's see the the Bears uh, have not missed a field goal yet this year. So that's a that's a positive. Um, and here, punting. Okay, so yards per punt, the Bears rank 11th and the Chiefs rank 12th. So, yeah, so. there you have it. Um, the, the Bears have punted – how many times? It, here's something that might surprise you. The Bears and the Chiefs have both punted nine times this year. Wow. Well, it would typically surprise me, but I've watched this offense for two weeks. So Yeah, yeah. That is very interesting to think about. Um so maybe special teams isn't that big of a factor. We'll see. Um, outside of the game, there has been a couple other pieces of news this week. Um, one notable one, uh, Mahomes restructuring his contract, uh, moving a bunch of money forward from the, from the end of his deal to the next four years, making him one of the higher paid guys in the next four years. Matt, how did you see that whole contract unfolding? Is it interesting, the timing happening, You know, waiting until after Chris Jones is, is signed? Um, and how did you see that all playing out? You know, I, I think certainly Jones, his situation was a priority, but I, I think a lot of it was waiting for these guys like Herbert and Hertz and Burrow and, and then kind of going from there. Um, you know, my colleague, Albert Breer, reported that this has been going on since a couple of days before the Super Bowl. They talked about this. So I'm not surprised. Uh, it makes sense. Look, for Mahomes, the cap numbers go up now in 2024, 25, and 26, and then they'll renegotiate it after that. But the reality of it is for the Chiefs, it, you know, I know there was confusion about this, and I, I went out and reported there was no shaving off years of the contract, but he's still signed for as long as he ever was. So there's nothing to worry about there. Um, that maintains leverage for the chiefs because they have him locked up. As far as like the cap hits go, I wouldn't worry too much about the cap hits for a few reasons. One that the cap goes up Two, they can, they can trigger all kinds of, of movement within the contract. So they could snap their fingers and open up $20 million in space. So, you know, and and it's done that way for a reason. Mahomes wanted it done that way so they could they could move money around. You knew they were going to adjust him at some point. You know, he, as great as he is, they're not going to sit there and let him be the fifteenth highest paid quarterback. Okay, they're not going to do that. Yeah. It's a bad look for them, and it's a, and it's for Mahomes. At some point, it's going to be like, well, what the hell, right? So, uh, I'm not surprised. You knew this was coming. I don't think it has some massive implication on the team moving forward, other than that. Hey, their quarterback's happy. Cool, great. You. You keep him happy. That's what, oh, yeah. you just you do whatever you need to do to keep that guy happy. Period. And yeah, they they took care of business. So that's fine. So I posed this because of quarterback one's tweet after the contract was announced and what it said and who it copied or mimicked. And then the way that his mechanisms work, this is more money in the banana stand in this contract sooner than they had it. Correct. With yeah. them moving cash flow forward, now with the ability to restructure his cap hits and push stuff down the road and convert money to signing bonuses and all that, to split it out like they have in the past when they've gone into his deal and 
done their automatic restructure that they can choose to do before a certain date or whatever. Um, that does moving that cash flow forward allow them to then go in and split that out and do that and create more cap room than they would have been able to from that contract from the from the money that was there, so that they can maybe do something with you know if they have to tag Chris next year they don't they're not hindered by it being twenty nine and a half to whatever million dollars it might be. I mean they have a lot of flexibility built into the contract so they can always just they can restructure they can save twenty plus million a year there. And next year in particular, like MVS and Justin Reed are on deals that end next year's their last year. So like the Chiefs could absolutely say either going to move on or you're going to give them an extension. And if you're the Chiefs, like that lowers the cap hits no matter what you do. So there's more money there. If they want to tag Chris Jones, they're going to be able to tag Chris Jones. The, the question just becomes is how do they want to go about it? I would imagine they're not letting him walk out the door for nothing. That would seem like a yeah, real bad idea. So – I know people are always, well, they get a comp pick. Well, not necessarily. Not if they go out and sign players of their own. And also, he's worth more than a third-round pick. So, um, you know, I mean, come on. Like, I love what people say. Well, you're getting a comp pick for him. That's no. great. It's like a fourth-round pick. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, overall, yeah. Like, they have plenty of cap space next year. Over the cap.com right now projects all that stuff out. They project them at like $49.5 million, which is which is in the upper echelon. Um, and that again doesn't include them. You could move Mahomes' monies around and stuff we've talked about. So I, they're they're fine financially. I mean, they have more than enough room. And all they did was essentially take money from the end of the contract, move it up to the to the you know the current portion of the contract, and take care of Mahomes. And make sure he has a hundred thousand dollars more cash flow than Lamar because they That's, reported that like six times on purpose. Uh, yeah, very coincidental. Yeah, very coincidental. <laughs> Um, so with that being said, that's kind of the biggest topics. One more thing that we really need your opinion on, Matt, here. This is maybe the biggest story of the past couple of weeks. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Are they official? Can you confirm this? Well, wait a minute. I thought Jason confirmed it. I don't know if we can believe Jason Kelsey on this. I don't know. <laughs> what, you don't trust you don't trust Jason? I mean, I just time? maybe need a somewhat more verifiable source than Jason Kelsey yeah. trolling on a local radio show. Also, it should be noted, right after that, he said, I'm kidding. But nobody picked up the I'm kidding part, yeah. which is – Well, yeah, it's always convenient it. to cut it right after that, you know. Yeah, it makes people in my industry look great. It's great. Um, <laughs> you know, way, way to really be accurate, guys. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I can't confirm it. I can't deny it either, ah, I guess. That's okay. I, but I will tell you, my daughter, who is going to be six here in a week, she's a massive Taylor Swift fan. She's also a big Chiefs fan, and she loves Mahomes, and she loves Kelsey. And so yeah. worlds are colliding for me. <laughs> Worlds are yes, colliding. Very unexpected if, if, world. I don't know. Like we're gonna go uh, Thursday night football. I'm taking her to the Chiefs Broncos game at Arrowhead, and mm. she now is like, "Is Taylor Swift gonna be at that game?" She, <laughs> because she's like, "She is." We have to meet her. I'm like, "You, I mean, you gotta look, you <laughs> gotta look out for her at least. You gotta look I'm out." Like, Listen, Maze, I'll pull every string I have, but I don't know <laughs> if I can make that happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> but she's. Yeah. Uh, she also yeah, may she, be on tour at that point. I think. Yeah, she's got a private jet. She can fly in and, and yeah, get in a suite with his family. We'll see. It's a we'll Thursday we'll, game. We'll, yeah, it'll we'll, be we'll interesting. Checking in. We'll keep checking so, in on that. I, one. I hope it's true. If for no other reason, it's just one more thing to add to this era when you look back on it in 20 years. Like, remember he was dating Taylor Swift? Was really, like, what if it works out to get married or something? Right? Like, yeah, I mean, exactly. Have like an SNL where he hosts and she's the musical guest. And like, it's, 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 good I'm lord. All, see that I'm dynamic? All for yeah. all of it. Yeah, it'd so, be awesome. I, yeah, I'm here for it. Watching yeah. the uh, watching the Twitter worlds collide a little bit has been uh, 
interesting yeah. in some Always segments. That sure is so, two very different fan bases right there. We've we've yeah. covered a bunch of the uh, a bunch of the Chief stuff and a lot of the NFL stuff. One last thing I want to ask you about um, the Juwan Taylor conversation. Mm-hmm. I guess is the way to phrase that. Um, Chiefs fans obviously feel like Juwan Taylor's been the target of that conversation. Feel like he was targeted some in that game. Uh, quarterback one mentioned picked on a little bit. He, I thought, was a nice way to not get fined by the league for saying that they targeted his right tackle. Uh, so looking around the league at the increased enforcement on it league-wide, what did we see? I know you tweeted about it a little bit, but like, can we get, can you give us a little more um, kind of what they saw, what you, what you saw from a trend did they actually, yeah. what, what went on there? So, so, so in week one, they called seven illegal formation penalties. And in week two, they called 10, which I know people are like, Oh, big deal. That's like a 30% increase. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually, especially after, after week one, the NFL sent out a teaching tape to all 32 teams and the officials Mm-hmm. And put on here, hey, these are some of the calls that were missed. This is some of the stuff we're going to crack down on in week two. This is what we're looking for. And at the mm-hmm. end of that tape, my understanding is they showed a litany of missed illegal formation calls, m- multiple ones, including Juwan Taylor. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't the only he was one. Kind of he, child for that. Yeah. Wasn't the only one, but he was one of them. And so you still had a 30% increase even after the league told all these guys, hey, look, don't do it. Now, I have a feature coming out on Friday about this. I talked to Mitch Schwartz. I talked to Dean Blandino. I talked to Jeff Schwartz about illegal formation and tackles and why they line up the way they do. And it's honestly, I learned way more than I thought I was going to learn about all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> it actually, cool. if I may say so, it's pretty interesting. It's coming out Friday at SI.com. I hope you're very curious about that. Yeah. It was interesting though. Like, so I was talking to Dean Blandino, who used to be the NFL's vice president of officiating. And now of course is a rules analyst from Fox. And he was basically saying, look, the, the protocol is, the, you know, game starts, players are playing, and the official, let's just use Juwan Taylor for this. Okay, the official will come up to Juwan Taylor and go, hey, look, Juwan, you're too far off the line of scrimmage. Just, I'm not throwing a flag yet. It's a warning. But I'm just telling you, like, you're too far off the line of scrimmage. you got to get up. A lot of linemen and receivers, and I shouldn't say line, tackles, tackles and receivers will look at the official, look at the, lines, the linesman and say, am I good? Am I good? Okay, I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Or, oh, no, I got to move up a step. Okay, I'll move up a step. They don't want to throw the flag for every infraction. They'd be there all night, all night long, right? Yeah. Sometimes the official also tell the coach, like in this case, hey, Andy, listen, Juwan's off the line of scrimmage. He's got to get up on the line of scrimmage. Then if they don't listen, then you get the flag. Like I asked Mitchell Schwartz, did you ever get warned when you were playing? And he said, yeah, every, every game, the first drive. I got warned <laughs> every single game, first yeah. drive of the game. I made them do it. He goes, because otherwise, what was I going to do it for? Goodwill? Like, I no. Like, if you're going to give me the space, I'm going to take it. And so, you know, one of the things I learned, a little teaser for the story, is tackles don't align off the center and the ball. They align off their guard. So mm-hmm. the deeper the guard is, the deeper typically the tackle is going to align because if you, it, it almost gives you optical illusion that they're not that far off the line of scrimmage because they're not that far off the guard. And so that, but the Chiefs in their scheme, the guards don't set as deep as some other teams like Philadelphia. So Taylor looks like he's way off. Now he is off. Don't forget. He, that is the thing I kind of have a little off with Chiefs fans about this this week. Like, oh, they're just they're going after Juwan. I'm like, he's, he's not even close to the backside of Creed. Yeah. I mean, come on. As Chris but, Collinsworth said, he's out there lined up at slot receivers sometimes. Yeah, you know? I mean, and he, and he is. Now, I will say, look, the, I get why Chiefs fans get annoyed, but they also have to understand, like, 
This isn't selective enforcement, but they play in primetime a lot. Primetime games drive narratives because everybody sees them. Like, I keep having people tweet at me because I was the one who broke this whole story. And people are like, well, then why, why wasn't it called in Jacksonville? Because no one was watching them. Nobody cared. Like, it didn't matter in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Look, he got called for penalties occasionally in Jacksonville, but it wasn't a national story because no one was watching Jacksonville beat Houston, right? right. Then you get into it's the first game of the year. It's on primetime. They are an extremely watched team. And so when he does it in Kansas City, yeah, it's going to get more attention. It just is. But I think it's, it's something that the league is cracking down on now. Do they crack down on it all year? Is this a point of emphasis that goes away by November? We've all seen that happen. Yeah. But, yes, there was an emphasis. There was a 30% increase on those penalties. Um, and it's something that, yeah, he's going to have to adjust because otherwise they are going to continue to warn and potentially call him for fouls. Yeah, so you mentioned a quick adjustment that you can really make, too. I mean, it's going to take a couple of weeks for him to kind of break those habits that he's had all of – preseason and training yeah. camp, you know, kind you know, of aligning and snapping off a different count. See, but it really for him though, the snap's not been the problem. Like they're not calling him the two false starts. He's had the blade. Yeah. Starts. But like, he's not at a problem. They're not getting him on that quick out of the stance kick slide. Like, that's been okay. Yeah, everybody does that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's been his alignment. It's his alignment. Right. I don't think that's that like move up half a step. Yeah. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I, I mean, it, he he will be all right. He'll be the funny thing with Taylor. He's actually been good when he hasn't been being called for really penalties. good. Yeah, yeah, really good. His problem is he's been called for a bunch of penalties. So right, um, they have to obviously fix that. Yeah, and and that's part I think was that's I think the most confusing part for fans and from watching it. Like the thing for me was I watched and you mentioned Philly. I watched the Thursday night game with Philly. Right, I think it was Thursday night. Is that Thursday night? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And you talked about the guards and their alignment that to me is what I think probably is the difference point because Lane Johnson and, and um, Juwan Taylor both pretty much in the same general halo of a spot on the field, but one looks farther out than the other. So with all that, with all that, the the chiefs will see the bears this weekend. Um, It'll be fun. We've talked a bunch about that. I gotta, I gotta ask Matt a couple little uh, fun questions here because He's got his own stuff, so we, we we he's got his own interests outside of just the Chiefs' kingdom here, guys. So, uh, hockey training camp, NHL training camps for you know this this portion of the show is going to be for about six of you. So, um, NHL training camps have kicked off, and Matt, I know, is a huge Devils fan. So, how you feeling about your Devils this year after they um, overachieved for the first half of last year and then had some patches down the stretch? They were they were great, 112 points last year. So they. Yeah. Uh, and then they beat the Rangers, which is like uh-huh. I'm a New Yorker. It's like my version of the Stanley Cup beating that. Game. <laughs> um, you know, no, I, I, I mean, look, I think it'd be aggressive to sit there and say, oh, I think the Stanley Cup favorites. I mean, that's that's probably a little bit much, but I think they're they're very good. I mean, they they could definitely be a team that you know fights for Stanley Cup contention. I mean, right now I'd have to look it up, which I'm gonna because I'm me. What are the odds for them right now? To I mean, they've got to be one of the top. I don't know. Five they, teams they should, out there. They should be in the than the Ducks. It's I mean, considerably higher than the Ducks. Um, they, they should be, be in the grouping the because they are. I, I'm been. I was they're, really impressed with the move they made tied last for year. Third. They're tied for yeah. third. With really Edmonton, yeah. Toronto, and New Jersey, and then uh, Colorado and, and Carolina are ahead of them. Listen, I think Carolina right now. You got to give it to them. I mean, they won the division last year. And Carolina is one of those teams you look at them and you're not that impressed by their roster. But man, they just play great as a team. They're really well coached. They're great defensively. 
And so the Devils, I think, I think the reason they added Tyler Toffoli is because of Carolina. You've got to be able to get some size and win in the corners and do those things, and that was something they struggled with. You know, the Rangers, you can play like that because the Rangers want to play like the Devils, right? They, they, they want to get up and down the ice. Carolina is different. But, no, I think the Devils, they should compete for the division. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be right there. I would expect that they at least get back to the, the you know second round and, and hopefully go further. But I'll say one thing for the Devils. There's not too many teams who are more talented offensively. If they're gonna, yeah, they got a lot of that. They're going to put it on you. I mean, that team, if you can't play defense, you don't have good goal thing. They're going to score. So uh, I'm excited about them. I, uh, I can't wait. They start – they start their season the night that I'm at Arrowhead with uh, with my father and Maisie. So I'm going to be uh, go. I'm going to be watching watching a whole lot that night. Checking the score, looking back. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, I'm I hate I'm I'm a Penguins fan. So the Metro sucks. I, I come to the point where like we've we've been in this so long now. Like it's just such a gauntlet. It for, is. It's it's eight teams that all have a playoff chance. Well, well, it's not going seven, on. Columbus seven, is the playoffs, yeah. seven. Well, six and a half. The Flyers probably aren't yeah, making the Flyers playoffs this year either. I would but, argue at this point, though, the division's gotten a little easier. Like Washington's not a little, good. right? They, but I mean, it's they got older finally. Yeah, but I mean, you, know, you guys, yeah, you know, Penguins are and are, we're older you know, on so. the edge, and then the Islanders. I don't know. I mean, there's. <sighs> I don't know what you think of the Islanders. I don't know what to do with the Islanders. I don't I mean, think the Sorokin's Islanders great. Know what to the do with the Islanders. But they well, but hey, but they have their haircuts and their no facial hairs or whatever they're doing now. Or, I will never get on Lou Lamarilla. I have. I know, Lula. I know, Big Lou in Jersey. So, yeah. and you the other thing it. I had for you was: Have you how much? How much? And have uh, have Count Chocolate? Have you procured and consumed so far before? Because I know you. I know you're a big big Count Chocolate guy. So. I am. I am. I'm on uh, family size box number three. So. Uh, we're not even in October yet, so it's good. Hmm. Uh, I found it early at uh, Meyer, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I actually yeah. like I like ration my calories the rest of the day, so I'm, I'm not like gaining thirty pounds during the fall. <laughs> For meeting um, four boxes at four bowls, zero. Oh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, that's not well, really great. You should yeah. probably tell everybody where they can find you, because I know they probably yeah. know, but if they don't. Tell everybody where you're at, because I know you've you've you moved you moved spots from where you were a little while ago, and did. still still hang out with the boys over there. Some I see, but where's yep. where you at now, and where can everybody find you at? And I'm uh, a national NFL staff writer at Sports Illustrated, so you can find me at si.com, the MMQB podcast as well. I do it every week with Gilberto Manzano, my uh, co-staff writer over there. Uh, yeah, I still do guest spots at Arrowhead Addict on the on the podcast. Uh, I go on here and there. Uh, I'll be on a lot of the post game shows. SI is kind enough to let me do that, so that's fun. Uh, and then, yeah, look, every week I got my stock up, stock down with the rookies, quarterback rankings, um, one matchup to watch in every game this week that'll make you smarter. Um, I have a Sunday column that I really, I got to say, I really love doing where I react to all the games. And, like, the second the early games are done, we publish it, and it's up. I'm writing it throughout the early games, and then we update it after the late games and then after the after Sunday night games. So there's a lot of stuff. I have the Friday feature coming out this week. Um, and then I'm in the magazine as well. So, uh, go out and, and check it out and it'll all be on my Twitter feed as well. Nice. Nice. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on, sir. Um, and also to everyone listening, it's been a pleasure having you tune into this one. Be sure to follow all of our socials at kingdom says pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, go follow us on YouTube. Go check out the YouTube. You can see our beautiful faces and Matt's beautiful face, uh, live. So, and then any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, all the good stuff. So with that, you know, Bears game this again, Sunday Matt. should be a good one. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And to everyone tune in and watching, thank you so much. And we will see you guys in the next episode of The Kingdom Said.